would like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for March 23rd, 2008. And the title of today's teaching is going to be Deliverance, Mercy, and Protection. Now, this teaching should really be taught in light of two other teachings that I've already previously done. This will probably be the kind of like the third part of that. The other teachings that relate to this one are the Biblical Keys to Answered Prayer, and then I did another one called Overcoming, Protection, Fear of the Lord, and those types of things. So, these are some of the things that I didn't cover in these other two teachings that I just got convicted this last week. In light of all the potential things that are coming up in the future, the potential deceptions, the potential things that could shake a Christian's faith, I think we always need to look back to the Bible to understand where our protection is, who provides the protection, what we need to put our trust in. And these are some things I didn't cover in the other teachings. There's going to be a little bit of overlap, but a lot of new material here. And this teaching, um, these verses that we're going to be going over today are good verses to keep in mind and to memorize regarding the times we're moving into. These verses are the answers and the remedy to any anxiety that you may have regarding the end times that we're moving into. So, no matter what I talk about on a weekly basis, we always need to hearken back to the Word of God. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. Psalm 119, verse 9. Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. Psalm 119, verse 11. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. Psalm 119, verse 105. So, these are things that it's very, very important to not only remember, but to memorize. Because there may come a time, day and time where our Bible is taken away. And the word of God, may, uh, that you have hidden in your heart, may be the only thing that you have to actually hearken back to. And that's a good thing. You want to be, I mean, if, if, if everything's taken away, then you have to have the scripture memorized in order to hearken back to it. So, the first verse I'm going to start out with today, and again, I'm going to be going over, I don't know how many verses here today. We're just going to be kind of rapid fire going through them. Uh, Isaiah 3, 10 and 11, Isaiah 3, 10 and 11 says, Say ye to the righteous, that it shall be well with them, for they shall eat the fruit of their doings. Woe unto the wicked, it shall be ill with him, for the reward of his hand shall be given him. Now, the day and times that we're going in into, you really don't want to be a wicked person, because you're going to be under the strong delusion, you're going to believe a lie, you're going to give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, and you're going to receive the reward, the reward at your hands, because it will be given to you. Okay, you reap what you sow. There's that expression, what comes around goes around. Well, that's essentially, you reap what you sow. But it says, say ye unto the righteous, that it shall be well with him. No matter even if you're facing death. Just remember, worst case scenario, martyrdom for Christ, okay? One second on the other side of martyrdom is peace, is heaven, is Jesus Christ for eternity. Okay, so martyrdom, worst case scenario for, for like a Christian, is the door to heaven. Okay, now I'm not going around saying, okay, we all need to get into the army of God and martyr ourselves and slaughter people for Christ. Because there's, there's people in the Dominionist movement 
that I'm telling you, they advocate that. And that is very much how they're being portrayed on the TV as well. Mass media is portraying the dominionists. They have this army of God, Joel's army, these types of people. we got to go out. We actually have to kill for Christ. Well, I just, you know, I'm sorry, I just haven't found that in, in the New Testament where Jesus Christ tells us to go out and kill our enemies and slaughter them and do these types of things. He said, bless them that curse you, do good to them that despitefully use you and persecute you. You know, for great is your reward in heaven, this type of thing. Um, it says to feed your enemy and these types of things. By doing so, you'll heap coals of hot fire on their head, these types of things. So we're not supposed to go around and try to, you know, physically kill our enemies. But it says, Say ye unto the righteous that it shall be well with him, for they shall eat the fruit of their doings. So, again, a tree is known by its fruit. A good tree can only bear good fruit. A bad tree can only bear bad fruit. So, this is again the whole thing of reaping and sowing. So, if you want to eat the fruit of your doings, you know, this is, this is not, we're not saved through good works, but good works are a byproduct of the Holy Spirit living inside you as a born again Christian. The fruit of the Spirit of love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, meekness, goodness, faith, temperance, these things are the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, and as a born-again Christian, these are things that should manifest through a born-again Christian. Okay? Proverbs 11.9 says, Through knowledge shall the just be delivered. Now, again, we don't want to put knowledge above Jesus Christ. Okay, but knowledge is one way that the just shall be delivered. So, knowledge is a component of deliverance. I mean, the Bible talks about in Hosea... 4.6, that my children are destroyed for lack of knowledge. So, not, lack of knowledge is something that you can be destroyed for. And then it goes on to say, because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, and thou shalt be a priest to me no more, and I will also reject thy children. Now, I'm paraphrasing a little bit there in Hosea 4.6, but that's essentially what it says. So, knowledge, true knowledge is something that you would want to be very careful about rejecting. Proverbs 18.15 says, the heart of the prudent getteth knowledge. Okay, so prudent people get knowledge. They don't just sit there and warm a pew and say, oh, well, bless God, whatever happens, happens. I don't really, you know, whatever this, this great man of God's telling me, I'm just going to fall for it hook, line, and sinker, even though it might not line up with the Bible. Well, that's what a lot of people do. What are they doing? They're putting their trust in man, which is the, which is the problem with most Christians. The Bible says, thus saith the Lord, cursed be the man that trusteth in man. And that maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. See, when you put your trust in man, and you make flesh your trust and your arm, then your heart will logically depart from the Lord. It's Jeremiah 17.5. So, we don't want to do that either. Proverbs 22, verse 3 says, A prudent man foreseeth the evil, and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. Now, this isn't, this isn't the prudent man foreseeth the evil, and then is overcome with fear of man. This is the prudent man who is right with God, foreseeth the evil coming, and then it says he makes provision, I believe, to hide himself and his family. Whatever door the Lord may open, but these are things that you can pray about, you know, as well. You can say, well, God, what do you want me to do? You know? But if you don't even know there's a problem, how do you know to foresee it? And this is what we try to do on a week-to-week -week basis here, is show you the problems that are coming, so that you can do something preemptively about it. Now, that may preemptive thing may just be getting on your knees in prayer. Okay? 
So whatever the Lord would have you do. The Bible says, then the simple pass on and are punished. Zephaniah 2, 1-3 says, Gather yourselves together, yea, gather together, O nation, not desired. Before the decree bring forth, before the day pass as the chaff, before the fierce anger of the Lord come upon you. Notice, notice this is to the nation not desired. Well, I can imagine that's probably how God feels about America, considering, you know, all the abortions that take place every day in America. It's like at least 4,000. All the sodomy, all the wickedness in high government, all of the lukewarmness in the church. We're pretty much a stench in God's nostril, for the most part. Not everybody, but for the most part. And I'm sure this, is, this dynamic takes place in a lot of other parts of the world. But probably not to the same extent that it's going on in America. So, it says, O nation not desired, before the fierce anger of the Lord come upon you, before the day of the Lord's anger come upon you. Seek ye the Lord. Here's the remedy. Seek ye the Lord, all ye meek of the earth. Hmm, meek. Remember the Bible says, To this man will I look him that is of a meek and a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. What does that imply? Fear of God? Meek. The Bible says Moses was the meekest man on earth. The Bible says that about Job, too. Meekness doesn't mean weakness. Okay, now again, I've covered this more in depth than these other studies that I mentioned, but meekness is primarily meekness and contriteness and humility, primarily before the Lord. doesn't mean you go around some weak-willed jellyfish. Most of these people that were the meekest men on earth had the backbone of a redwood tree. Okay? When it came to dealing with the affairs of men. But they were very, very, very meek before the Lord. Get on your knees before God. And, 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 and don't do it under a pretense, but do it because you really mean it. It says, Seek ye the Lord, all ye meek of the earth, which have wrought his judgment. See, God likes godly judgment. God loves that. God is in the midst of that. God is a just God. Okay, he's just not a God of love, the big guy in the sky. He's a God of judgment as well. He hates and abhors unjust scales and balances, and judgment is part of that scale and balance system. The meek of the earth have wrought judgment, it says. Seek righteousness. Seek meekness. This is something we should be praying for. Lord, if you don't feel like you're humble or meek or contrite before the Lord or, or, or a meek person, you need to pray for this. Seek righteousness, seek meekness. It may be, ye shall be hid in the day of the Lord's anger. So, that's the... Um, says it may be that ye may be hid in the day of the Lord's anger. We're going to talk a lot more about this, because remember, the, the title of, the, of this teaching is Deliverance, Mercy, and Protection. So, um, these are tenets that we want to kind of keep in the back of our head. Because there's dark times coming. And I, personally, would rather be hid in the day of the Lord's anger. I'm sure you would feel the same way. Revelation 12.11 says, And they overcame him, Satan, by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. That's how, during the tribulation, you overcome Satan. By the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony, 
and not loving your lives unto the death. Revelation 3.5 says, He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. He that overcometh, those will be clothed in white raiment, which is the righteousness of the saints. And then it says, And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. What if you don't overcome? Well, a lot of people just say, once saved, always saved. And, and granted, I'm not saying once saved, not always saved. The Holy Spirit lives inside you. I believe He will give you whatever it takes in order to get through whatever's coming. Because He's perfectly capable of doing that. But these people that, that believe I just prayed some little prayer a long time ago, and I'm good, and living like the devil, how are they even saved? He that overcometh the same shall be clothed with white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. Sounds like you can get your name blotted out of the book of life, to me. He says, I won't do it if you, if you overcome. Well, what if you don't overcome? What's the implication there? I don't know, but you know what? I don't want to find out. Well, how does the, how does the end of the book of Revelation go? You know, if you take any things out of the book of this prophecy, I will take out your name out of the book of life. It says it again there. So again, it's just not an envelope I want to push. I don't think any of us would want to do that. So, this is something else we can pray for. Lord, if you don't feel like you've got that overcoming, that you possess that, pray for it. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before the angels. 1 John 5, 1-5. through 5, Which is a good verse to talk about in, in light of the last verse that I just read. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. But see, a lot of people say that, and they say, oh, I believe Jesus is the Christ. But you know what? When hard times are going to come, like there's four types of seeds in the ground that the Bible talks about, there's only one that goes into good ground and bears 30, 60, 100 fold, but the other three type are just pretender seeds. Well, let me tell you something. This statement where it says, whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, that is the good seed. Somebody who truly, truly believes it and is willing to die for it, if necessary, that's the good seed. I can prove it. Let's read on. And everyone that loveth him, meaning Jesus Christ, that begetteth, that begat loveth him, also is begotten of him, like an only begotten son. By this we know that we love, that we love the children of God. When we love God and keep His commandments, for this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. Now, we're going to talk about that keeping of the commandments in a second here. Does that mean we go back to Old Testament Levitical law? No. Let's, let's read on a little bit here. And again, I've covered this in past, but I, I, I really felt like I had to just touch on these verses before we get into these other verses. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. Well, what happens when you become a Christian? You're born again, right? Didn't Jesus say, unless a man be born again, cannot see the kingdom of God? Well, the reborn spirit that lives inside every Bible-believing Christian is what we're in reference to. Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world. He, who is he that overcometh the world? Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. That's he who overcomes the world. 
Now, I take comfort in that verse. The other verses, ooh, that's heavy-duty stuff. Not blotting out your name out of the book of life. That's not fun to hear. But, remember, Christ is the one that keeps you. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? But shortly, shortly, especially as we get into the end times, we're going to really see what Christians really believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Because let me tell you something, the deception that's coming is so great, we were just discussing that this morning before, before I went on with this teaching. Some of these things I can't even release right now. Because... I just don't believe that most people are going to be able to handle it. And I can't and I don't want to do something half cocked. I want to make sure that I'm releasing information that is accurate and timely. But suffice it to say, the deception that is coming is going to be so incredibly unbelievable. Isn't that how the Antichrist is going to come? With all lying signs and wonders? And that God is going to send a strong delusion, according to Second uh, Thessalonians two? God's going to be the one that does it. People are going to give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. The hirelings are already in the pulpit preaching lies. Wolves in sheep's clothing. They have no true love for the flock. We're being set up for such a deception. And you have to make sure that if, if that is coming, that you have your anchor on the right rock. The rock of Christ Jesus. It's going to boil down to Jesus Christ. Believing, truly believing that He is the Son of God. Because the deception that is coming is going to try to convince you that that is not the truth. That He is not the Son of God. That He is not who He says He is. And unless your faith is firmly grounded in Jesus Christ, you're going to fall away. The Bible says that everything that can be shaken will be shaken. That's what's coming. And unless we're armed with the right knowledge to a certain extent, we're going to end up being deceived. That's why the Bible says through knowledge shall it just be delivered. That's why I do these teachings every week to try to prepare the body of Christ, the remnant, for what's coming. And the Bible clearly predicted it was going to be this way. Clearly. All this does is confirm the Bible. It's just it's not being talked about in the pulpits across America. For the most part. Or in the world. Not enough. So let's go further. John 16.33 These things have I spoken unto you. This is Jesus saying this. That in me ye might have peace. See, we have peace in Jesus Christ. In the world you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. See, Jesus Christ has already overcome the world. We overcome the world through Jesus Christ. And in Him, him we have peace. And in Him we have joy. It's all about Jesus. It's all about faith and trust in Him. Is what it really all boils back to. But we're probably most likely, as the body of Christ, going to be tested to see if we really are real. Myself included. Okay, I'm not acting as though I'm above this. Now, Matthew 7.12 says, which we would consider the golden rule, 
Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. You know? Do ye unto other, others as you'd have done unto yourself? It's the golden rule, essentially. It's a good way to live your life. It really is. Whatever you wouldn't want done to you, don't do it to others. And whatever you would like done to yourself, do it to others. And again, that has to do with the, with the title of, of this teaching, Deliverance, Mercy, Protection. Because if you're not doing that, how can you expect God to deliver you and have mercy on you? You're a hypocrite if you're not. Does that mean we go around in sinless perfection? No. I fail every day. It's not that I'm striving to fail, but we're going to battle the flesh till the day we die. Matthew 22, 36-40 says, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? This is the apostles asking um, Jesus. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Well, that goes back to the last thing we just read about the golden rule. Doing unto others as you'd have done unto yourself. This is... So the first commandment is, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now listen to this. It says, On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. These Messianic Jews, these Christian Zionists, these Jews for Jesus, this whole Messianic mess that we have going on right now, basically saying we got to go back to the law. What do they do with this verse? On all these, on these two commandments, hang all the law and the prophets? Well, now we can go back to the verse at 1 John 5, 1-5, where it says, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. Some people could read that and misinterpret that and say, Oh, we've got to go back to the Old Testament Levitical law. Even though the Bible says Christ is the end of the law to them that believe. He is the you know, mediator of a better covenant. If righteousness come by the law, then our faith is dead and in vain. So again, we have to rightly divide the word of truth. As the Bible commands us to do. 2 Timothy 2.15 Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rather dividing the word of truth. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. So remember, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and all thy soul, and all thy mind, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Jesus Christ simplified it quite a bit. For us. See, if you really do this, a lot of other things will just fall into place in your life. Have I said, am I, again, am I saying I've mastered this? No. Not by any stretch of the imagination. But, it's good to clarify this before we go further. Luke 21, 34-36 says, And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting. This is to his servant. His servants. This is what Jesus is saying. Um basically after a parable, take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting, drunkenness, and cares of this life. Surfeiting would be like partying, you know, that type of thing. Drunkenness and cares of this life, so that the day come upon you unawares. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell upon the face of the whole earth. 
Watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all the things that shall come to pass. This is something we should be doing. Watching and praying that we are accounted worthy to escape all the things that are going to come to pass. Now most churches are saying nothing's going to come to pass. Either they're going to get raptured out of here, nothing, not, nothing's going to happen to them. And I'm not going to get into a big theological debate on the rapture, okay? But, you either have that camp, or you have the other camp with dominionism, which they're believing they're just going to usher in the kingdom and everything's going to get better and better. It's so much to the point where, you know, we're just going to basically force Jesus to come back. And then the amillennialists that believe that, that there is no millennium whatsoever. Um, <laughs> so, you've got these different camps that are feeling and teaching a certain way that are absolutely, totally not preparing their followers for this great deception that's, that's coming. Am I, am I correct in saying that? They're really not. Watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all the things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Psalm 91, 4-6 says, He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shall thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. His truth. What is truth? The Word of God. It's primarily the truth. Well, that's your shield and buckler. Your shield. What does that make reference to? The shield of faith? Part of the armor of God? Wherefore put ye on the whole armor of God, putting on the breastplate of righteousness, having your loins girded with truth, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, putting on the helmet of salvation, and taking up the shield of faith. It actually says, above all, taking the shield of faith. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. How did Jesus contend with the devil in the wilderness? He quoted scripture. That's all he did. Quoted scripture. Or he said, the Lord rebuke you. Which is how Michael contended, Michael the archangel contended with Satan over Moses' body. He didn't go like the, the typical charismatic and said, Oh, you stinking idiotic devil, you know, I'm going to kick your whatever and, and get out of here. It says, Michael the archangel, which is greater in power, he's an archangel, when contending with the body of Moses, brought not a railing accusation against the devil when they disputed over Moses' body. If Michael the Archangel did it, are we like, you know, are we better than Michael the Archangel? But what did it say? He said, the Lord rebuke you. That's how we should respond to, to, to demonic entities when dealing with these types of things. Either the Lord rebuke you or quote scripture. It's as simple as that. That's big time spiritual warfare, what I just taught you. Now, a lot of people will put out whole books on how to do spiritual warfare. Particularly women love to put out these books so they can teach men and be really super unbiblical because they're violating all these scriptural tenets. I just got one the other day from the Prophecy Club in their newspaper. It was a real doozy. But anyway, um, the Bible says, His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. What is truth? Thy word is truth, the Bible says. How do you have faith? If faith is a shield and a shield protects you, what is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things not seen. Hmm. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The Bible says, without faith it is impossible to please God. The Bible then says, 
faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. It boils back to the word of God. You want to get bigger faith? You hear the word of God. Memorize it. That's even better. Hide the word of God in your heart that you might not sin against God. So, his truth shall be thy shield and buckler. His word is truth. Memorize his truth. Hear his truth. Your faith will get bigger as you do that. Because people say, I just don't know if I have the faith to get through it. Oh boy. These big bad guys are going to come and run roughshod over. Yeah, that's exactly what's going to happen. That's your attitude. What about the Bible verse says, Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And that I can do all things through Christ Jesus which strengthen me. Hmm. What about where the Bible says, Call upon me and answer, and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. In Isaiah. Hmm. I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? This is the kind of faith you're going to have to have going into the times that we're going into. It's not going to be optional anymore. Lukewarm faith is not going to be optional anymore. You're going to be put in a position that you probably don't want to be put into, but you know what? You better get yourself ready now. Get yourself ready and set for it now. Because if you wait to do this, it's going to be too late. Or if it is, you're going to have to suffer way more because you didn't prepare yourself properly. You know, if you're going to go to battle, do you want to go to battle with, with um, you know, a t-shirt on and, you know, shorts? Yeah, I'm going to go to battle, man. I'll take the devil out. Oh, okay. You're going to go to battle with no armor on. No scripture memorized. No real faith to fall back on. That's not the way I want to go to battle. And I'm telling you, it's a war. The Bible talks about being good soldiers and putting on the whole armor of God that you'd be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. This is serious. This is as serious as anything, more serious than anything going on in a temporal thing with this world. It's the unseen spiritual battle that we're all engaged in on an everyday basis. That we may not see, but it's actually more real than what's actually going on in the world. If you think about it, it's more important. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day. What time I am afraid I will trust in him? What time I am afraid I will trust in thee? Psalm 56.3. It's a good way to memorize that verse, Psalm 56.3. What time I am afraid I will trust in thee? Psalm 56.3. I learned that from the Awana tapes. I'll tell you what, those Awana tapes, Awana is a youth group for kids. They've got these tapes, at least they used to, on the King James Bible, and it teaches your kids to memorize scripture through little songs. It's great. It's awesome. Now, I understand Awana's in all kind of contemplative, new age stuff now, but I believe they still have the tapes. How you get them, you're going to have to do a keyword search from Awana and try to order them from the website. But my little girl... She went through Awana, she had more scripture memorized than 99.99% of any Christian. She went through all three phases of that, memorized every, all three books, got every award you could get. And a lot of it had to do with those tapes. Songs are a great way to memorize scripture. Because they stick with you a lot better. So anyway, a little side note there. But an important one. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. So you're not going to be afraid. 
Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. Well, that's a good thing to do. Are you acknowledging God in all your ways? I mean, don't acknowledge Him. Well, thank you, God, because I really messed up and made a fool of myself. That, thank you for, for that, for, for, because that's your doing. No, that's not God's doing. But if you acknowledge God in your ways, okay, in the, in the right things that you do, and give Him glory, it says right here, it says, then the byproduct of that is that He will direct your paths. Isn't that something we all want? We want God to direct us and lead us? Well, acknowledge Him in all your ways and trust in Him. Have the faith. If you don't feel like you have it, pray for it. Read the Word of God. That's how you build your faith. Listen to it. Memorize it. That's how God directs your path. The Bible also says in Proverbs 16.3 Commit thy works unto the Lord and thy thoughts shall be established. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. So if you're having a problem with your thought life, commit your works unto the Lord. Okay, these are just little things that are in the Bible you can check out. Proverbs 11.21 says, The wicked shall not be unpunished. So when you see the wicked prosper, and you look all around us, and you say, Oh, well, they're not, God's not doing anything to them. And the wicked are going to get, the, the wicked are going to burn in hell for for. In the lake of fire forever. They only have a short time on this earth. It may seem as though we're getting the short end of the stick right now. But compare that to eternity. And there is no comparison. None. The wicked shall not be unpunished. But the seed of the righteous shall be delivered. Now that implies your children. The seed of the righteous shall be delivered. These are good verses again to keep in your head. The seed of the righteous shall be delivered. Faith. Believe it. Proverbs 28.26 He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. Oh, people love it when you quote that verse. Well, I just trusted in my heart. So many of these people in the modern day Christian, especially ones that call themselves prophets. I'm going to probably have to do a whole teaching on this because I am just about had it up to my neck with people saying I'm a prophet or I'm one of the two witnesses in Revelation. That's a great one. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that one. I mean, what are they going to do? Tag team two witness? Because if all the people that are saying they're one of the two witnesses of Revelation are really real, which they're not, they're liars, they'd have to tag team because there's hundreds of these people out there. Where do they get their information from? Surely not from the Bible. From that inner voice that is guiding them. Let me tell you something. If the inner voice that you're hearing contradicts the word of God, it's the devil. It is Satan. The master deceiver. Most people that go by this inner voice, and I'm not saying God can't talk to you. The problem is that I haven't found one prophet yet that's not in all kind of rank heresy or apostasy or, or that is saying things that does not line up with the Bible at all. At all. Who am I to believe? Let God be true and every man a liar. I don't know one so-called prophet that I've ever seen that lines up with what they're saying with the King James Bible. Not one. I'm not saying they don't exist. I'm not saying they can't exist. But if they're of God, they're going to fulfill Deuteronomy 18, where it says if they 
presume to speak a word in my name, and it doesn't come to pass, thou shalt not be afraid of them. The penalty for that was death in the Old Testament. False prophets. Death. So, if you're a real prophet of God, you better be nailing it 100% of the time. And it better line up with the word of God. It's one thing to nail it, as far as the prophecy goes, but it's one thing to every time you prophesy that it lines up with the King James Bible. It's another thing. Because God is not going to contradict himself. Oh no, brother, it's a new revelation. We've got new wine. The new wine of the new revelation. It's, God's doing a new thing. Oh, so he's going to go back and contradict his word. When every word of God is pure, as the Bible says. That makes a lot of sense to me. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth. Purify seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Psalm 12, 6 and 7. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Whoa. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Psalm 119. If his word is settled in heaven, you're telling me all of a sudden he's doing a new thing and his word changes with the whim? What about all these false Bible versions? Well, there's one Bible version that came up through a totally separate line called the King James, the Byzantine, the majority text, that can trace its origin back to Antioch, where they were first called Christians. And then you have all the other versions, or perversions, that came from Egypt, that came up through the Catholic Church, through the Vaticanus and the Synaticanus manuscripts, that came up through these two accordists, occultists named Westcott and Hort, who gave us the revised version of 1881, and this is where we get the NIV, and the American Standard, and all these other perversions. And the Bible says God is not the author of confusion. Why would, why would we have, you know, 200 different words of God? The Bible says, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. There's only one word of God. And if you're quoting the wrong word, how can the demons tremble? If they've already perverted and leavened that word, it's like trying to use a squirt gun as opposed to an M16 machine gun when quoting Bible verses, when you're dealing with demonic entities. So, the Bible says, He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. But whoso walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. Remember, what is, what is your heart? Well, most of the time, you know, it's your opinion. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, but who can know it? Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful, you know, Desperately wicked? That's what the Bible says about the heart. Most of the time that's your opinion. Well, it, it, I just know it had to be of God because it felt so right and had such peace. Yes, but you know what? What you were just told totally contradicts the word of God. So you know what? That's all I need to know to know you didn't hear from God. What did you hear from? A seducing spirit and a doctrine of devils? According to 1 Timothy 4.1 4, The devil is adept and very good at what he does. And if you have open doors in your life, he has a right to deceive you. That's why the Bible says, my children are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And again, that's why I do what I do, to try to close as many of those doors as I can, so we're not deceived. Because I've been there in those shoes of being deceived. Not to say I've got everything figured out either. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Proverbs 14.12 and Proverbs 16.25. It seems right, but then they're over the ways of death. Psalm 69 verse 14 says, Deliver me out of the mire and let me not sink. This is the psalmist to God. Deliver me out of the mire and let me not sink. Let me be delivered from them that hate me. 
and out of the deep waters. You ever prayed these? I have. I was. I went through a real dark time for about a year, and I prayed these, and I meant it. I thought I was going to die. I really did, and it was my own fault. I got myself there. My totally my fault. I deserve. In fact, I deserve death. The truth be known, I deserve death. How I looked at it, I deserve death anyway, because really, that's all I really do deserve is death and hell, apart from Jesus Christ. Not that I went out and committed a murder or anything like that, but I'm just saying. Sin is sin. And you know what? I know what these verses, to really pray these and to really mean them. If you've never been in that position, I believe God may put you there. Because this is where your faith is tested. Psalm 25 verse 20 says, Oh, keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed, for I put my trust in thee. That's what it's all about. Trust, faith. Trust implies faith in God, doesn't it? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Psalm 31.1 In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in thy righteousness. Psalm 31.2 Bow down thine ear to me. Deliver me speedily. Be thou my strong rock for an house of defense to save me. See, God's your only hope. The Lord Jesus Christ is your only hope. Period. Psalm 40.13 Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. What does this also imply, all the stuff that I'm saying? Doesn't it, doesn't it sound like the psalmist is humbling himself before God as a little child? Jesus said, unless you humble yourself as a little child, you not see the kingdom of God, these types of things. Humbling yourself as a little child before God is pleasing to God. It's one of the few things I think we can do to really please God. It really is. I'm not saying there's other things you can do, but very few times in Scripture do you ever read that God was pleased with anybody. He was pleased with Solomon when he prayed that one prayer before he got all corrupted. Why? Because he humbled himself as a little child. In fact, he even said that. He said, Father, I, I am as a little child. I know not whether to come in or go out. Is that how we pray to God? That's pleasing him. Now, if you're, if you're praying it, you really don't mean it. He sees right through it. He sees your heart. But if we really pray it and mean it, that we're as a little child, we know not whether to come in or go out. We're as a little baby. I'm as a little baby before you, Lord. I'm serious about this. That pleases God. Now, if you've got ten tons of sin in your life and you're praying this, that's a hindering factor. Well, how do I know that? Well, the Bible says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Psalm 66, verse 18. So there's a lot of things you can do to hinder your prayers. And again, I'm not going to do a study on that, but I already did that on the biblical keys to answered prayer. Now, just bear this in mind also. I am preaching as much to myself today as I am anyone listening to this. And again, I'm not saying I've mastered all of this. I've been made aware of it. I'm very responsible for it. The Bible says to whom much is given, much is required. Okay? So, but don't think I'm up here like some self-righteous person saying, Oh, I'm better than thee. I am holier than thou. I'm not saying that at all. Trust me. Not. Okay, so if we go further, Psalm forty thirteen, be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make hell haste to help me. 
Psalm 41.2 The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive. And he shall be blessed upon the earth, and thou will deliver him under the will of his enemies. Thou will not deliver him under the will of his enemies. <laughs> thou will deliver, that, that wouldn't be great. Thou will not deliver him under the will of his enemies. You know, the enemy would love nothing more than to kill you. I mean, for real. A born-again, Bible-believing Christian in the remnant, and I say that because I believe there's only a remnant left on earth of, of real Christians, and that's the way it's always been, he would love nothing better than to kill you. You're an ambassador for Christ on this earth. Psalm 50, 22. Now consider this, ye that forget God, lest I tear you in pieces. This is God. Oh, he's all loving. Well, hold on. It says, now consider this, ye that forget God, which would basically comprise 99% of probably the Christians in America, for the most part, lest I tear you in pieces. God can do that. And there be none to deliver. It's not a wise thing to forget God. Proverbs 24.10 If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. Well, let me tell you something. The day of adversity is coming. And the Bible says if you faint in that day, then your strength is small. Proverbs 24, verse 11. Now this is the verse after that. If thou forbear to deliver them, meaning forbear means um, you're, you're, you're waiting, you're not doing it. You're forbearing. If thou forbear to deliver them that are drawn unto death, and those that are ready to be slain, if thou sayest, Behold, we knew it not. Doth not he that pondereth the heart considereth it? This is God. And that he that keepeth thy soul doth not he know it? And shall he not render to every man according to his works? Well, that's a warning verse. That's like Ezekiel 3 and 33, where it says, If you see the sword coming, and you warn not the city, and the city be destroyed, that those people who you did not warn, their blood will be required at the watchman's hands. Now, that's primarily my ministry. Now, I know, we're the body of Christ. Everybody's not called to do exactly what I'm doing. There's a lot of preachers on the... on various things in, in the pulpits and in, 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 on the internet and things like this that say, you got to do this and you got to do it this way and if you don't, you're not a real Christian. Like, everybody's got to be a door-knocking witnesser. Witness, with, witnessing. And if you're not, you're not a real Christian. Oh, okay. That's good. Well, I, I thought that we're the body of Christ and can the finger say to the eye, depart of me, I have no need of thee? Everybody has a different function. We're all called to different things. So I don't mean to say that in such a way where I'm saying, everybody's got to be doing exactly what Scott Johnson's doing, or whatever. But to a certain extent, yes, we are all called to be watchmen, to a certain extent. As the door, as the Lord opens the doors, we just need to be faithful. And regardless of if you lose friends, or whatever, your life as a Christian is not a popularity contest. All men will, will probably end up reviling and hating you. And, and you just have to purpose it in your heart that if I'm the last person left on the planet, which it won't get that way, but it may feel that way in the times to come, if I'm the last person left on the planet that's right with God, I'm still not going to give up on God. I'm going to be an overcomer. If necessary, unto the death. And you know what? The Holy Spirit that lives inside you is more than capable of either delivering you or getting you through whatever may lie ahead. But you have to have the faith to believe that's the case. 
Because your faith will be tested. Soon enough. Me included. Psalm 119 verse 117. Hold thou me up and I shall be safe. This is what the psalmist is saying to God. He is totally not trusting in himself. Most of this is from David. Totally not trusting in himself at all. Here's David. He slayed Goliath. Slayed a bear. A lion. All these mighty things he did in war. And he's, if you notice here, he is as a little child before God almost every time. Mr. Big Bad David did all this stuff. Guess what? It wasn't about David. It was about the Lord working through David. In and of himself, he was nothing. And we're the same way. In and of ourselves, we are nothing apart from the Lord. But if we let him work through us, we can do mighty things. The Bible talks about that, you know, his children doing mighty exploits. Now, the Charismatics really carry this, you know, they believe they're the army of God, they're going to go out and kill people and do this and that, and they're off in all kind of theological craziness, misinterpreting things. But I do believe that, that we, can, we can do these things. Yeah, Doug just brought up a really good point. And again, the thing you have to bear in mind about this is that the material that you're hearing and the teachings that, that you, you've heard from me, I don't want to sit here and take credit for any of that, okay? Lest I get puffed up with pride, and that pride blind me, and I become a castaway, or whatever, okay? But for one reason or another, God has chosen to show us this material. I'm telling you right now, this material that you're hearing in these teachings, it is not being taught, for the most part, in churches at all. Some of this stuff isn't ever being taught, for one reason or another, God has, has, has chosen to reveal this to us in these end times. Knowledge will increase, as it talks about in Daniel. And I, 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 we, ought to, we ought to view this as, as a, in a position of thankfulness toward the Lord. Um, not becoming puffed up with pride. Gratitude before the Lord. And having the faith in, in, in thankfulness toward the Lord to say, wow, Lord, thank you for showing me this because I look around me and the world's being deceived. The so-called Christians are totally being deceived. They're being set up for a fall and yet you've chosen to show us this. Okay? God can do that to somebody that is meek and contrite and humble before Him. Once you let pride come in, the pride will blind you. You're going to think you're Mr. Smarty Pants and you got everything figured out and God cuts off the flow, and you, you start to give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Happens every time. Isn't that what took Satan out? Lucifer? Well, it says because of his merchandise and his beauty, he was lifted up. He was prideful. That pride blinded his reason. And then he started saying, well, I'm going to be like the Most High. I will ascend under the sides of, you know... All these things that he's saying, I, 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 I'm going to do. He became so delusional that he believed he was going to go usurp God. How delusional. The creator and this created being saying to the creator, I'm going to usurp your position. <laughs> Please. That's pride. Pride will blind you every time. 
This is why, in regard to this material, you need to pray for humility and meekness and fear of God, because that will keep you right with God. The angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him. Now, I talked a lot about fear of the Lord in these other two teachings that I did. So, fear of the Lord is integral with protection. Okay? Something that's not talked about. Oh, we, we, we don't want to talk about in the pulpit. We might lose people. We might lose money. All this other stuff. Okay? So, you know, you're really knowing this, this, this information, we are in, in a position of, um, we need to be thankful. Because this is, I'm telling you, this stuff is not being talked about. I was in the churches, different churches for very, many years. And that's one of the reasons I came out. Because I started seeing all the stuff in Scripture that's never talked about. Or rarely, I should say. Not to say all preachers are bad or anything like that. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, rarely, in general, for the most part, in America in particular, this is not being discussed. Okay, so let's go further here. Proverbs 18.10 The name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous runneth into it and is safe. The name of the Lord. I'm telling you right now, you're dealing with demonic entities, if you have anything, you cry out to Jesus Christ, and you believe it. You, and, you, and you watch the results. I've given my testimony on that before, but I'm telling you right now, that's what works. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. You do believe that? Well, you'll be tested on it. Do you really believe it? I'm telling you, it works. It works. Proverbs 29, 25. The fear of man bringeth a snare. What is the fear of man? The opposite of the fear of God. So we can go around trembling about all these things that are coming. That's fear of man. Fear of events. Not fear of God. Fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Psalm 15, verse 1 through 5. Who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? This is a psalm of David. David's asking this to God. Who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall abide in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart. He that backbiteth not his tongue, meaning backbiting, that type of thing, against your, your neighbor or your brother. Nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach, or like a contention, against his neighbor, in whose eyes a vile person is condemned. So, you know, a vile person, in a righteous person's eyes, is condemned. It doesn't mean we want to see him go to hell, but they're vile. It's not like we're looking at a vile person saying, Yeah, go get them. Be vile. That's grievous to a righteous person. In his eyes, a vile person is condemned, but he honoreth them that fear God. Do you have that feeling when you see people that fear God, you, do you want to honor them? He that sweareth to his own hurt. Okay, now we're not supposed to at this particular dispensation in time, we're not supposed to go around swearing. The Bible says swear not. Okay, at this point. But, this is Old Testament. It says, who swear through his own heart. Meaning, if he says he's going to do something, he does it. That's essentially the New Testament application of that. Which I see very, very, very little of. Oh yeah, yeah, I'll do this, I'll do that. Now, I'm not saying I've never not done stuff that, that I said I was going to do. What I try to do is write it down. 
So I have an organizer with me, and when I have something, I write it down, because then I can remember it. I've got so many things going on, that if I don't write it down, I won't remember it. Okay? Do what you say you're going to do. Have integrity. And I mean about little things, too. Little things. If you say you're going to pray for somebody, pray for them. Oh yeah, I'll pray for you and you just forget about it. Now, I'm not saying I haven't done that. But I try to remember to do exactly what I say I'm going to do. Because when I stand before God, I'm going to have to give an account for that if I don't. The judgment seat of Christ. So, he honoreth them that fear the Lord, he sweareth through his own hurt, and changeth not. Remember, the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. That's what I see a lot of. Double-mindedness. He that putteth not out his money to usury. That's interest. And I don't mean excessive interest. That's the modern day definition. The biblical definition of usury is interest. Not putting out your money to usury? Hey, I, I don't know. I don't do any stuff really with banks, personally. I think they're evil. I can prove that. I think I have proven it in the past. Put it not out as money to usury, nor taketh reward against the innocent. Now I know there's that Bible verse that says Jesus said, why didn't you put the you know the money in the bank where it could draw okay, interest. Okay. I understand that. I don't want to get into a big theological debate on that either. But I'm just saying here, this is what it says in Psalms. I think this would imply things like putting out your money in these get rich quick things and these types of things, particularly if you're putting out your money to a brother and charging them interest, that is something that I know you're not supposed to do. Okay? He that putteth not out his money to usury, nor taketh reward against the innocent. He that doeth these things shall never be moved. Psalm 40, 17. But I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinketh upon me. Thou art my help and my deliverer. Make no tarrying, O my God. Galatians 6, 9. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. What if you faint? Well, I'm giving up on God. <laughs> you just lost your reward, most likely, if you really did give up on God. And probably proven what type of seed you really were. Were you stony ground or, or, you know, these other types that were bad ground? Well, you fell away? What's that? <laughs> In due season we shall reap if we faint not. The, the Bible talks a lot. They, they that, you know, endure to the end, the same shall be saved. They that endure to the end, those that overcometh. Yeah, but that sounds like I could lose my salvation. Well, this talk about blotting the names out of the book of life. I just believe that if the Holy Spirit really, really lives inside you and you're really committed to God and you really put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that you're going to have the faith to get through whatever's coming. It's not about putting your faith in your works. Because you, it would be so easy to start thinking that. It's not about that. Faith in Jesus Christ. For we are saved by grace through faith. Faith in who? Jesus Christ. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Salvation is through Jesus Christ. It's not through works, because if it was through works, we could boast about it, just like the Catholics do. Or the Hindus, or the Buddhists, or whatever these isms are. 
They all boast about their works. And it's a stench in God's nostrils. For we are all together as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags before God. And we do all together fade as doth a leaf. Let's not be weary of well-doing, for in due season we shall reap, if we faint not, as we therefore have opportunity. Let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. So those in particular of the household of faith, other Christians, are people that we want to do good unto, especially them. I mean, if you're doing this, do you think that this might have a tenet of God delivering you in the future? If you're doing good unto all men, and if you're if you're not being weary and well-doing, and doing good unto them, especially the household of faith, do you think that God's looking down on his things, saying, okay, it's getting bad, that man's crying out to me, and he's, and he's scripturally fulfilled what the Bible says. I'm going to deliver him. I'm going to protect him. He has the faith. And he looks at this other one, and he hasn't done any of it. Well, you know, you reap what you sow. Psalm 72, verse 12. For he shall deliver the needy when he crieth, and the poor also in him that hath no helper. Psalm 72, verse 13. He shall spare the poor and the needy, and shall save the souls of the needy. Now, again, this could be looked at in light of the verse, it is easier for um, a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. See, riches blind you with pride most of the time. It's the problem with riches. Not to say there was never any rich men that went to heaven. Okay? But, for the most part, somebody who's poor and needy keeps them humble. And they see more of their need for a Savior than a rich man who has everything. And thinks that I've built this and I've done this. And it's all about I, I, I. Blinds you. Psalm 86 verse 1. Prayer of David. Bow down thine ear, O Lord, hear me, for I am poor and needy. Whoa, David was rich. He says, I'm poor and needy? Poor and needy in spirit. To this man will I look, to him of a, of a contrite spirit, and a meek and contrite spirit, and which trembleth at my word. That's what David was in reference to here. He's poor and needy. He needs God. Apart from God, he's nothing. Apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, he's nothing. You've got to really believe it, though. Proverbs 14.31 He that oppresseth the poor reproacheth his maker. But he that honoreth him hath mercy on the poor. Have you had mercy on the poor? You honor God when you do that. Proverbs 17, verse 5 Whoso mocketh the poor reproacheth his maker. You going around making fun of the poor people? You're reproaching your maker. And he that is glad at calamity shall, shall not be unpunished. Proverbs 19, verse 17. He that hath pity upon the poor, lendeth unto the Lord. When you have pity unto the poor, it's like you're lending to God. Did you know that? That's pretty cool. You're lending to God, not the poor. In God's eyes. And that which he hath given, will he pay him again. God will pay you back for that. Maybe even not in this life, but you know what? <laughs> the next life's going to be way better. The judgment seat of Christ. Where you will receive of rewards. Many will suffer loss. Our works will be tried as either gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, wood, hay, or stubble. And it says some will be saved there, yet so as by fire. Meaning they're probably going to have all their works burned up because they were wood, hay, and stubble. 
They weren't done with the right heart for the right reasons or whatever. But they'll be saved if so as by fire. Well, hey, praise the Lord. At least they got saved. But I don't want to be saved yet so as by fire. Personally, I'm going to go ahead and end here and we're going to go into part two next because I've got too much more material to get this in one part. So we'll see you in the next part.